Today on Crossfire Faith and Gaming Podcast, we discuss the burning questions lots of Christian gamers have. Can we play mature games? What does the Bible say about it? And we'll also be going over the latest gaming news. All coming up next. So my name is the Reverend David Petty, and I am joined here by my co-host, Russ Dornish, and we're going to get into the burning question that Russ just talked about in just a second. Um, But first, we're going to start off with some of today's news. So let me pull that up and talk to us about the the news. So we've got... um, probably the biggest thing i think going on uh we had the dice awards recently and uh so russ why don't you tell us about the dice awards who won who uh, got honorable mentions and what should people be playing yeah so uh dice awards just happened today uh of course the biggest winner and the one that everybody always asks is what won game of the year and this year at the dice awards going against some of the other gaming awards we've seen in the past few months uh, Hades ended up winning, which is a rogue game that you guys can play, kind of a rogue uh, uh, indie title that is getting amazing reviews. Um, I, I've heard from people who've played it that, that you definitely need to do that if you're into rogue games. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not, uh, but I might give it a try at some point. Um, a couple of the other highlights, I would say, Ghost of Tsushima winning Adventure Game of the Year, uh, Animal Crossing, of course, winning Family Game of the Year, just a couple things. Uh, and then some of the other stuff as far as like animation, art direction, um, game direction, uh, animation went to the last of us part two. They also walked away with, uh, the story award, uh, miles, Mar- uh, Mar- Marvel, Spider-Man, miles Morales also won for, uh, achievement and character Ghost Tsushima went away with a couple with original music, of course, and audio, which that game just sounds ridiculously good. And that soundtrack is what really hammers home the amazingness of that game. So just a few of the games that won this year. So if you guys ever want to check out those games, they are definitely highly, highly recommended by us here at Crossfire. Um, So if you have a chance to play any of those, uh, feel free to do that. Um, For some other news we have, uh, David, the Sony PS5 is now the fastest selling console in U.S. history. And that coming on the heels of the massive shortage in video game consoles and other technology stuff due to COVID and just everything going on right now. What are your thoughts on it becoming the fastest selling console in U.S. history? Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there really confused by this news. People saying, okay, it's the fastest selling console in U.S. history. And yet I can't find one. It's never on the shelves. They don't have them online. Like, how, how do you sell something the fastest selling thing of all time in human history? Uh, when I can't even buy it. And it looks like part of that is because there's so much demand. I'm sure some of that's propped up by the, the scalpers out there that are picking them up. You know, obviously it, it doesn't say fastest selling to individuals who are not scalpers. Um, but I think it's also, you know, it's a, it's a generational leap in gaming and, and certainly Russ, you and I both PlayStation fans. Um, I love the haptics on the controller. I think it's, uh, it's always neat to have people come over and like, you know, just hold this thing and just feel what this feels like. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that it's doing really well, that it's the fastest selling. Um, 
I do want to see how this plays out over the next, you know, five years, though. Uh, is it fastest selling now and we see Xbox gaining speed? Certainly, we've got some Xbox news later that I think uh, might have something to do with Xbox being able to pick up ground there. Um, but for now, it doesn't surprise me. And, you know, hats off to PlayStation for that achievement. So I want to, I want to pull in some news here. Um, that's close to my heart. Uh, I played overwatch for a long time. I actually played on a, a professional, not professional. I guess we didn't get paid. Um, but we played on a, a like 64 person league, uh, eight teams of eight players. So of course you're six on six with two people sitting on the bench waiting to jump in. Um, I used to play a ton of overwatch. And one of my favorite things about playing overwatch was the fact that they were constantly coming out with updates. And these updates of course were spearheaded by, and the face of the updates was Jeff Kaplan, uh, who's been a game designer with blizzard entertainment for a long time uh he was the director of overwatch uh you know and and started really with the project back when it was project titan the thing that nobody ever heard about and didn't know about and then they scrapped it turned into overwatch uh so apparently after 19 years jeff kaplan has announced and this is i'm reading this from ign that uh he's leaving blizzard entertainment in a statement that says uh, it was truly an honor of a lifetime to have the opportunity to create worlds and heroes for such a passionate audience i want to express my deep appreciation to everybody at blizzard who supported our games our game teams and our players but i want to say a special thanks to the wonderful game developers that shared in the journey of creation with me and he leaves it off by saying never accept the world as it appears to be always dare to see it for what it could be i hope you do the same so tough for uh for blizzard and for overwatch to say goodbye to jeff kaplan uh certainly interesting to see where he goes next and uh to see what overwatch and overwatch 2 do in the future yeah, I, I guarantee we'll we'll keep an eye on this because I'm sure that news is not going away. And at some point, the news will come out of where he's going. It may not even be the game industry. We've seen some uh, big time game people switch uh, employments to other other companies. It may just be a money play, or it may be you know looking for a new challenge. We'll have to see. Uh, speaking of near and dear to my heart, uh, and a lot of people from our Crossfire Hangouts and, and the website can attest. Uh, I'm a huge Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic fan. Uh, it was the sole reason I got an original Xbox um, was to play that game. And I've played it a number of times. It is literally available everywhere that you can possibly play games. Um, you can play it on an iPad, an iPhone, um, anything, because the game just runs pretty much anywhere. But a Knights of the Old Republic remake has pretty much been uncovered. Uh, it's been rumored for years, uh, but now we have a little bit more information, and it's looking like Port Studio Aspire is working on this. Now, some people were not happy about this news because Aspire has been doing some remakes in, in recent times that have not been full-on remakes. And by full-on remakes, this is where we get into kind of the, the nitty-gritty of the difference between a remake and a remaster. Remaster, you're just up-resing textures, you're getting it to 4K, uh, maybe frame rates are going up. There's not really any changes. Remakes are where you build the game from ground up to be completely new for the current generation. Um, some instances of remakes, uh, uh, Demon Souls on PS5, uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, um, both games that were built from the ground up based off the original game, but, but really are not the same thing. I'm hoping we get a full remake for Knights of the Old Republic. The story is ridiculously good. The only thing that makes it hard to play is the combat. 
Uh, David, I know you, I don't think you've ever experienced Knights of the Republic. What are your thoughts on this, and are you interested in, in getting to play it? Yeah, I, I played. Um, I was trying to remember what it was. It was uh, I think it was Star Wars Jedi Knight Two back in the day on PC. Uh, and you know, I I just love the idea of playing in the Star Wars universe, um, playing as characters that you love, playing in the story that you know and love. Um, you know, for me, it was also just fun playing any sort of game that you can use the Force, hit things with a lightsaber. Um, you know just good fun. Uh, so I think any news like this is exciting. Um, excited to see what they do with it and excited to see if it's going to be a success or not. That's, that's all I've got. I'm, I'm just excited to see where it goes. Um, but I, you know, I do think we're in the, we're in the age of remakes. We're in the age of remasters. Uh, you know, certainly we talked about, uh, the fact that mass effect is one of those games that, um, you know, has been long time rumored for the remaster, uh, game that lots of people recommended because of the deep storytelling. Um, but I never played it because I just love high quality graphics. And I just cringed at the idea of going back and playing a game that's 10 years old and, struggling through those graphics so uh i'm excited to see what happens with the the remaster of that game as well as knights of the old republic and and to reintroduce people to um really good quality stories in a way that's graphically appealing yeah it's it's interesting i think we're getting to that point now where some games are old enough but they were at a time when story and game really um took off you know that playstation one uh, original Xbox, PlayStation 2 era of video games that, you know, we got some good games that had great stories, but they were held back by the technology of the day and the, and the way they looked. And I think you can really take those games, remake them for today's technology, but bring that amazing sto- story forward for more people to experience. Uh, I think you got a vast library of games you can do that. Um, real quick, it's not on our news, but I forgot about this piece and it ha- kind of has to do with this, but did you see the information that uh, The Last of Us Part 1 is going to be remade for PS5? Not a remaster, remade for PS5 by Naughty Dog. And the rumor is it will be updated to the same gameplay as Last of Us Part 2. Um, you know, more of that kind of open worldness to it. Uh, action, hmm. you know, not as not as sticky as you know the original one was obviously updated graphics updated animations all of that um that was some big news that kind of came out uh not too long ago that people are kind of upset and frustrated about because they're all saying the last of us does not need to be remade right now um and they're kind of confused why naughty dog would use any resources to do that uh david thoughts i mean we're both huge last of us fans and I i will probably buy it day one but what are your thoughts on them already wanting to remake Last of Us Part 1? You know, I think it's the the problem with this is you've got certain things that are considered classics. Uh, and of course, what's a classic is all defined by, you know, who your audience is. But in my mind, trying to remake a game like Last of Us Part 1, uh, as much as I applaud the effort, I think it, you know, certainly could use an updated uh, user interface. That's the, you know, one of the biggest frustrations I hear from a lot of people when they start playing this game is like, you know, the the storytelling is amazing, but you know, the whole holding L1 to run and you know the the clunky interface to get your different weapons out. Um, it's not intuitive. So, you know, I don't mind that. I think also, you know, if you made it more open world or kind of changed up the gameplay a little bit, um, 
I could understand that, but I think if you go too far, you might get into the territory where you're going to take away elements of part of the thing that made it magical. Um, you know, and the question of remake too, it's like, are you still going to use the same voice actors? Are, are you going to re-record everything? Um, I feel like you can't re-record those performances because um, they were just so original and so raw. It would be like saying we're going to remake Star Wars. Um, you know, the the episodes four, five, and six. I feel like you can go back and you can remaster them. You can go back and you can repull the original film. You can up res it to 4k, you know, whatever, uh, or do a film scan in 4k or 8k, you know, whatever. But the idea of going back and refilming all of those scenes just feels like why mess with a classic? Um, you know, now I can understand why you would remaster, let's say, justice league uh you know the snyder cut was far better than the regular justice league uh but that's because they reshot two hours of footage um so i think if it's a classic if it's if it's a game people love why mess with it but you know we'll see what they come out with and we'll see what kind of uh what kind of gameplay they implement and what kind of new systems they implement and who knows? I mean, maybe this is a preview of, of them bringing that to PS5, maybe bringing Last of Us Part 2 over to PS5 graphics, and maybe we're going to get a Last of Us Part 3. Uh, certainly, they left that Last of Us Part 2 very open-ended. So, we'll see. Yeah, so so last thing on that real quick. Um, there was a quote, and I'm seeing a little bit more information about this that I would be remiss to not not say it. Um, but it looks like what's going on is Naughty Dog is in pre-production on a couple projects which means they're not really in the development stage yet. So to fill that time, they've put their developers on The Last of Us remake to get used to the PS5. So this mm. quote came from Jason Schreier, who had the inside scoop on this information. And he said, this gets them used to working with the PS5, which they've never done before. It's something for people to do for the next year or so, while the other things are in pre-production. So I don't think they'll probably be refilming stuff. I think they'll just kind of be, you know, it'll it'll be a between of a remake remaster trying to really utilize though the PS5's power, the haptics. I'm assuming um, make the gameplay just a little bit more fluid. That's the only complaint I hear about The Last of Us um, from people is like, you know, the controls and the feeling of it's kind of clunky uh, right. because it was last gen. But I'll be very interested to see what happens with that. Um, Moving on, and David, you can kind of tell us about this because uh, you brought this up. Uh, we have some CD Projekt Red news when it comes to cyberpunk, which is... Yeah, so, um, you know, still definitely have not fixed it, uh, you know, for anybody out there. And I, and I even, I ordered it and I just kind of sat on it. I said, I'm going to wait for a while for them to work out the bugs. Um, but it, in an investors meeting, they recently talked about uh, how much money uh, CD Projekt Red is going to have to set aside for returns for the game. Uh, you know, essentially, uh, they said that they have $50 million dollars that is set aside for returns that's going to go into the game. That's, um, you know, that's a lot of money. That's, that's probably a couple million more than, uh, I think we make with our podcast here on crossfire. But, um, you know, certainly if we had to return crossfire to people to the tune of $50 million, uh, I would be pretty frustrated by that. However, as the article went on to say, uh, that is chump change compared to the fact that they brought in last year, $563 million. So it's not even 10% of their earnings last year, uh, of their revenue. So, 
uh, you know, I guess hats off to CD Projekt Red. Good job for them making all the money. And also, uh, please fix our games and get to work on updating the graphics on The Witcher 3. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah. But uh, we'll go, before we go back to um, some Xbox news, and we'll finish out the news with Xbox, we have just one more kind of, you know, pretty big story coming out of the PlayStation side of things. And that is two different things. PlayStation has not been doing well in the news recently. Uh, besides the Last of Us news, they also came out with the fact that uh, they declined Sony Ben's request to start Days Gone 2. And now I, I hear that Sony Bend is just kind of helping out on projects. They're not even working on their own game, hmm. uh, which people are not happy with. On top of that, Sony went out and secretly and then had to publicly announce that they are shutting down the PlayStation 3 and the PlayStation Vita stores to where you can no longer buy digital titles. You can still download the digital titles you already own, but that would eliminate a very large catalog of games from being able to be purchased, um, which people have been talking about because now this brings up the idea of, okay, we're getting into a digital world. If these companies decide to stop supporting a digital storefront at whatever time frame that is, those games are gone. They're gone. They're no longer purchasable. If we don't have backwards compatibility in some shape or form and the ability to access those games, what does that look like? Luckily, the news is PlayStation has backpedaled and reversed their thoughts, and they will no longer be shutting down both stores for the time being. Mind you, I guarantee they're still looking at when that is. They just realized that maybe it was too soon because people still wanted that. Um, but your thoughts on this and the idea that, you know, your digital library, it's... This is kind of, I'm, I'm a big physical media guy because of these reasons right here. I'm going to be a little bit of a conspiracy theorist and a little bit of a Debbie Downer type thing of, I want to be able to play my stuff for as long as I want. Uh, but David, what's your thoughts on all this? Uh, yeah, I've got mixed thoughts. I mean, you know, for a long time, I I think for convenience factor, I like the idea of digital games. Um, you know, for the most part, I buy most of my stuff digitally. Uh, part of it too, of course, I've got you know four people living in the household that all play different games. So, you know, I sit down to play uh, Death Stranding, and you know, I've got to take out Plants vs Zombies, and then after I'm done with Death Stranding, the next day I sit down and Horizon Zero Dawn disc is you know I got to swap out all the discs for all the people playing all the things. So in a digital world that's much easier to just say, okay, let me just swap over to the next title. Um, that being said, I think we've already seen some of this kind of what happens if digital stuff goes away uh, with, let's say my iPad gen one that now is just completely bricked because you can't, you can't put physical media on it. The store for the app store doesn't exist on it anymore. The apps you can't find anymore. So uh, anybody listening that knows how to fix an iPad Gen 1, please let me know because it's basically completely bricked. Um, so I, I think there's the same worry, right? That you could have a PlayStation 5 and what happens when 10 years from now they decide to stop supporting the PS5 and uh, all of your games go away. And, you know, and there's still people out there who are enjoying playing their PlayStation 1 and 2 and 3 titles. So, you know, I think to be able to support those as much as possible uh, is a good thing. And, and that's where I think Xbox is winning that part of the war saying, look, not only is our stuff backwards compatible, but, you know, you can put an Xbox 360 disc in and play it on your Xbox Series X. Right. And not a problem. Um so, you know, I do think that there's in the battle between Sony and Xbox, I think uh, Xbox still has some stuff going for it and uh, some more stuff we're going to talk about here in a minute that might 
pull the tides from the you know fastest selling console ever in the ps5 to maybe more people will be considering the xbox in uh, the months and years to come so russ tell us about that news yeah so moving on to xbox news um you know both companies are really going down different paths i feel you know sony's still focused on their exclusives their first party stuff and and microsoft is doing some amazing things they are if you want to be a value gamer and somebody that wants to get the most out of your gaming they are the way to go okay between game pass um between the backwards compatibility of playing your old games you have a vast library from day one uh but one of the big pieces of news that you know has been long time coming is uh, xbox has finally removed the requirement for xbox live gold on any free to play games so your Fortnites, your PUBG, your, you know, any of those Warzone, you know, games that are free to download and play the multiplayer, you no longer need gold, um, which is a, a great news for Xbox players everywhere, um, especially if, you know, you don't get a lot of value out of your uh, Xbox Live um, because maybe you only play Warzone on Xbox. Now you don't have to play for Live so you can play Warzone. Um, in other news, and again, this is Xbox news, but... It's that time of the year, folks. You know, the, the grass is is turning green. Uh, the dirt's there. You know, the, the smack <laughs> the dirt, of the bat. The dirt's there. <laughs> it, yeah, it's, it's baseball season. And with that comes the MLB The Show series release. And it's no longer a PlayStation exclusive. And we have a PlayStation first party game. Not only on Xbox, but on Game Pass Day 1. Xbox fans are getting this for free with Game Pass day one. You can play it as of recording this podcast and going forward. Uh, Dave, it's this has been a very weird situation, um, but what are your thoughts? I will expand on a little bit more unless you have the information as far as like why it's on Game Pass, um, because that's a, quite an interesting bit to it. But uh, thoughts on Xbox getting the show for the first time and getting it also for free. Yeah, so, you know, I think, um, first off, smart move for MLB saying, you know, look, if we're going to license a game as the official MLB game, why in the world is it only available on one console? Like, why why is it that for the longest time, and I asked this question before I owned a console, and when I was a PC gamer, like, I used to play Triple Play 97 back in the EA Sports era, uh, you know, back when everything was EA Sports, it's in the game, right? Um, and... And then they went away. Like the sports games just went away. And, and even like Madden wasn't that great anymore. And FIFA was still amazing, but like there were no baseball games, you know? And I would ask people like, what's the best baseball game out there? It was like, well, there's this cartoony baseball game card. You know, there's like backyard baseball or whatever it is. Um, RBI baseball. Yeah. And they were bad. And, you know, meanwhile, MLB the show kept on trucking being the best baseball game out there, but only available on PlayStation. So, so I think it was smart for MLB, for MLB, the organization, the baseball organization to say, look, we're going to license this to you, Sony, but you have to develop it for cross platform. Right. So I also have to wonder like, what is that like working at Sony as a developer? And you're like, all right, we got these Xboxes we're developing for. And then how weird for all the Xbox players out there to load up an Xbox game off of game pass that the first screen pops up and says, sony playstation studios and then you go into your game to play baseball um 
so, you know, I think it was a smart move on MLB's part. I think it's going to be good for for the sport of baseball, for people being into it, uh, for the digital sport of digital baseball. Um, I don't know why they – maybe maybe you can tell us this, and then we'll get into our topic for the day. Um, so why in the world is it on Game Pass? I mean, why don't people on Xbox have to pay for this thing when when PlayStation oh. users like you and I have to have to pay? So what came out after the fact is the game is being published by MLB directly on Xbox. So they're picking up the publishing fees for the Xbox version of it. As a result, they made an agreement with Xbox to bring it to Game Pass without Sony, without their like involvement in it. And just kind of said, well, we own the publishing rights. We have the right to say it's free on Game Pass. There we go, Um, which I think is kind of hilarious. And I am sure that when that came out, I guarantee that the people at Sony were just like, this is insane. This is horrible. This is terrible. How could we let this happen? What is going on? We're now like developing a game for Game Pass. Uh, It's just crazy that we're at this point. Um, It'll be interesting to see, though, how the reception is of it as we go on, how many people end up playing it. Um, What do the numbers look like? How are the sales figures on PlayStation if the Game Pass portion affected it at all? All very interesting stuff that's going to be coming down the pipe. Um, Just real quick before we get into uh, our topic of the day, the one you've been waiting for, um, Returnal for PlayStation 5 is coming out next week. It is a really cool-looking action third-person shooter uh, made by the wonderful people at Housemark who made games like Resogun and Stardust and all these great, fun shooters and, like, like flat 3D, you know, scrolling games. Uh, they're finally doing a big triple A uh, full $70 game, uh, and it's been getting great previews. Uh, we're going to try and stream it next week on release day. So that's uh, next Friday, um, April. What was the date we said? 30th. April 30th. April 30th. Okay. April 30th on our Twitch. So make sure you guys follow us there so you know uh, more information on that. But, you know, let's uh, let's move right into the topic of the show. Yeah, so um, today we're we're talking about the topic of um, is it a sin to play video games? And this comes from uh, you know we've talked before about how we're in a few different groups uh, of Christians and Christian gamers, and uh, and topics like this come up from time to time, and they range anywhere from somebody saying, you know, oh my gosh, I played this game and I had to kill somebody, and now I just feel terrible because I'm a sinner, and it's it's basically like I've committed murder, um, uh, you know, all the way to people who say, well, okay, maybe it's not you know all video games maybe it's only violent video games um but we recently saw this post somebody posted in one of the groups that said uh you don't have to be involved in the sin to be judged for it god said you would be judged for taking pleasure in others who are uh, or approving of others who are sinning so essentially what they're saying is if you're playing a video game then they this this post is saying that uh, if you're playing a video game in which your character kills people, then you're going to be judged by God the same as if you killed somebody in person. Now, I um, I want to start off by saying that is not our opinion. Uh, we do not think that if you watch a movie where somebody kills somebody else, that you are going to be judged by God for murder. Um and I, the quote that they use here is interesting because they use Romans one thirty two from scripture that says, who knowing the judgment of God that they would, 
commit such things that are worthy of death, not only to do the same, but to have pleasure in them that do them. Uh, if you look back a couple of verses earlier, you notice that what Paul's doing is he's saying this vice list of, of condemnation for the Gentiles, essentially saying, Hey, you Gentiles, like you're a bunch of sinners. Now, number one, okay. Everybody out there is sinners. Paul's message to sinners is not, Hey, all you sinners, you're sinners. Therefore you're going to hell period and be done. Paul's message is, Hey, all you, you're sinners. You're probably doing things, all sorts of things that are not great, that are not life giving, that are not life affirming. And you should probably do better things with your life and your time than all of those things. So in verse 20, um, I think it's verse 20. Yep. Verse 20, Paul gives a vice list. Sorry, 30 in verse 30, Romans one, verse 30, Paul gives this vice list, uh, that talks about, uh, all of these different things that are wrong, right? So he says, uh, backstabbers, God haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful, uh, people who invent new ways of doing evil, people who disobey their parents, um, so he gives this vice list, which is a thing that Paul does a lot in his letters, um, talking about all of these terrible people, uh, and basically saying, Hey, if you don't change your ways, then, you know, I believe God's judgment is upon you now, you know, granted, I disagree with Paul a lot here. Uh, I think Paul's a little overly harsh cause he's trying to convince people to get into the church. Uh, it's not really Jesus's message is, Hey, by the way, you're all going to hell. Jesus says, Hey, you know, those of you who have done wrong, repent and sin no more. Um, but this vice list that talks about, you know, people who hate God, people who hate their parents, um, people who are backstabbers. I don't know that this really applies to video games. Uh, and the place that I would take this is to look at like first Corinthians eight, where Paul has a conversation about whether or not people can eat food that has been offered to idols. So essentially if you're, if you're pagan worshiping neighbors or having a potluck and there's some leftovers, the question is, can you eat the leftovers? And so Paul's thing says essentially, you know, look, I understand that, that, for most of you, it's not going to be a problem. If you brought it into the sanctuary and said, Hey, everybody, we're going to recognize these pagan beliefs by eating this food. And this is a great thing because we just love the pagans. Well, you might, you might make a struggle for some of the people that are weaker among you. Um, but for those of you that are, that are stronger, it's not a big deal. You know, you can go ahead and you can do that. So the question in my mind with this whole question of, is it okay to play R rated video games or, or M rated video games, watch R rated movies. The question is, does doing that cause you personally to, to commit a sin, which we've talked about before is something that gets in the way of your relationship with God, your relationship with others or other people's relationship with God. So if playing grand theft auto causes you to go shoot down a, a group of citizens in a public square, then absolutely you should not be playing grand theft auto. Um, if playing, uh, Oh gosh, I don't know if playing Gran Turismo causes you to drive a hundred miles an hour and get in an accident that causes somebody to die, then maybe don't play Gran Turismo. Um, if playing, gosh, I, I, I can't even think of other games. Um, <laughs> <Animal> but if crossing <laughs> sure. Right. I mean, if, if playing animal crossing is causing you loans out, <laughs> yeah, if, if playing Animal Crossing causes you to go into unrealistic amounts of debt because you're constantly <laughs> taking out loans to buy bigger homes, uh, then maybe that's not such a great thing. Um, so, Russ, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I, 
it's it's a topic that I see come up so many times. We're we're a part of so many groups. I see everybody talking about it. You know, there's always somebody that brings it up of, you know, I I refuse to play this game. You shouldn't play this game. And I don't think that's how it should work. You know, each of us are different. We all should make our own decisions when it comes to that. And like you said, you know, in other ways of comparing it, I compare it to, you know, obviously if you're an alcoholic, you shouldn't drink. But that doesn't mean I shouldn't drink because I can, you know, manage that. And I don't have a disease of being an alcoholic. Um, You know, that's just one side of it that you could talk about. You know, the same thing could be said for food, you know, and and, um, really anything, honestly, is there are, are things out there that each one of us just simply can't do because it causes ourselves harms. It causes somebody else harm. And so as a result, we need to abstain from that. You know, and for me, I have yet to, I don't have violent tendencies. I don't, you know, beat people on the streets. I don't run people over with my car. I don't, you know, do any of that. If you knew me in person, and, and honestly, it comes across like that. I've had talks with my soccer kids that I coach. And they're like, do you play Grand Theft Auto? And I'm like, yeah, I've played Grand Theft Auto. And they're like, you do? Like, oh my gosh, one, you're a Christian. And two, like, you know, you seem kind of normal. Why I never would have pegged you as somebody that would play Grand Theft Auto. And I'm like, well, I do. And it's because it doesn't affect me like that. Now, there's reasons that those games and movies have ratings put on them. It is because kids do not have the mental capacity to make those decisions that we're talking about, to be able to determine, does this affect me in, in a specific way? Do I know the difference between fiction and, and nonfiction? You know, that's why we have ratings. And obviously, I agree with the ratings. I agree that you need to be of certain age to play those games. Now, did I play some of those games when I was younger? Yes. You know, but my big thing was, and and the big thing that I had was I had people who would talk to me about it and be like, you know, this is not real. This is nonfiction. These are not real things happening. You know, be very cognizant of what you're doing and how you feel while you're doing it. You know, if I'm getting absolutely elated from getting to kill people in grand theft auto and that's all i want to do is just run people over and i get giddy and giggly then that's probably not a good thing for me because that's that's just putting me down that path that i don't need to be going to um so needless to say our our real point in this is each person should take their own situation into account and determine whether or not they should be doing it and honestly, you know, I am fine if you say I can't play violent games. I can't play this game. I can't play that game for this reason. You know what? That's great. And I respect you for being mature and being in the place in your life to be able to make that determination on your own. Um, you know, and I know that I can play those games and it does not cause me those same issues. And it does not cause me, you know, to to do these other things in real life. You know, it, for me, it's just an outlet to enjoy something, to enjoy a story and enjoy a piece of entertainment, a piece of art, um, you know, and, and that's kind of where I come across with this. Dave, you being the pastor, you being, you know, the one that kind of sees all this, I know you you get a lot of these questions all the time. You know, so so what is your way of really just kind of talking to those people and, and kind of bringing their, so to speak, because I know the person who, who originally posted this um, has been having a lot of issues where they're thinking about quitting their job because they technically make games. They don't want to be a part of it anymore because they just have this overwhelming guilt about it and they think mm. that they're creating mm-hmm. this sinning mechanism. You know, as a pastor, how do you talk to somebody in that position? And what do you say 
when somebody's feeling that way about something like this. Yeah. Well, you know, I think my, my approach, um, especially in a church setting, uh, you know, I, I view grace as far more important than guilt, uh, in our defining ourselves as Christians. Uh, I think grace was far more a part of Jesus's message than guilt. Uh, and I think also, you know, um, sensitivity is far more important than shame. Uh, and Brene Brown talks about shame a lot. You know, that's kind of her key thing is talking about shame and shame research. Um, and the problem is right. When you, when you teach people to feel ashamed of something they've done of, of something that they, you know, have experienced of, of, you know, whatever, um, then you're just kind of forming this, this cycle, uh, where, you know, if I feel ashamed because I am playing a video game and then I just can't stop thinking about how ashamed I am, then this becomes this kind of ongoing narrative in my brain that really gets in the way of me saying, you know what? No, this is not, this is not a thing that I need to be ashamed of. This is not a, a, a problem, uh, you know, and, and to say, you know, the question is, like we said, what do you do with it? Um, so for instance, the, our ratings on movies, um, one of the most popular R rated movies out there is the passion of the Christ. Uh, it is R rated for graphic violence. Now, if you watch that movie and you think it's instructional for how we should all go out and find people who we deem as sinners in society and who we deem as, uh, as false prophets. And then we should beat them with sticks, uh, until they bleed the way that Jesus bled. Now, clearly you're missing the message of the story. Uh, and I would say the same thing is true. And Rob Bell talks about, this in his book, um, the, uh, what is the Bible? And he talks about, you know, the, why is there so much of this violence and kind of just gratuitous bloodshed found in some parts of the old Testament? Um, cause some people would look at that and say, Holy cow, that's in the Bible. You know, it talks about, about ripping unborn children from the wombs of their mothers, uh, and, and cutting people in half. And it, I mean, there's the one part he talks about that the, um, I forget who it is, gets stabbed. I think it's Ahaz, uh, gets stabbed. And it says that the fat closed in around the sword. Um, it, these things are, are meant to be commentary on an overly gratuitous and violent time and, and a violent people to say, looking back on that, we can be a whole lot better. Um, but you know, if you look at the Bible as a whole, the Bible is not a G rated document. Um, it has, it has sexy things. It has violent things. It has, it has, you know, the, the woman who drove a tent spike through the guy's head. Um, there's all sorts of stuff in the Bible. And the question is, what do you do with it? And the same thing is true for any story. And so, like we said, you know, I think age appropriateness is important. Uh, I think asking yourself the question, especially as parents, is my kid old enough to fully comprehend what's going on in this game? Is this going to cause them to be afraid or have nightmares or be, you know, granted that being said, I remember being six years old and playing doom at my uncle's house. Uh, and I think hopefully the graphics were bad enough back then that it didn't give me nightmares. Um, it, you know, most of all, I just felt bad because I was playing doom and my dad said, I probably shouldn't. Um, 
But, you know, I think we all have to ask that question of like, is this age appropriate for our kids? Is this going to cause them a, an overabundance of anxiety or fear or, you know, nervousness? Is this a topic that, that we can talk about? This is the other thing. I sit down with my kids all the time when they're playing video games, whether they're G or, or you know, or E for everyone or T for teen. And we have conversations about it. You know, hey, man, you just did this thing in this video game. How did that make you feel? Let's talk about it. Um, so I think it's more important as parents that uh, for parents with kids with games that you're you're willing to play the same games your kids play and to have those conversations about what's going on in the games uh, and then beyond that as individuals that we ask ourselves is this going to get in the way of me having a close relationship with god and if the answer is yes then absolutely you should probably not do it as much and if the answer is no then i think you're fine so that's that's my two cents and uh that's probably all i've got on that topic yeah, just to kind of finish out, um, you know, because kind of going back to what originally started this, um, the the big thing we just want people to realize and understand is that this is all, and, and from our point of view here at Crossfire, it's the focus should be on the grace of God and not, like we said, the guilt. It should not be on the shame. That is not the God we follow. That is not what God wants of us. He does not want us to be just full of shame and guilt our entire life about everything we do. Because I see so many people that I communicate with online that literally are like, oh my gosh, I sinned. I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell. Like I've been a follower of God for 20 years. I just sinned yesterday. It's the worst thing ever. And now I'm going to hell. And they are this ball of nerves and and just like killing themselves over this that is not the point of this the point is grace the point is the ability to be forgiven for the things that we do um and it is it is the whole message of the new testament in the bible and what jesus's message was to us was this idea of grace so if you're out there today if you're out there today and you're having issues with any of this if you're having issues with sin in your life you know just remember that god's grace is so much bigger than all of that and you can feel comfort in the fact that god was about grace um so david you want to close us out and and then uh we can we can call it a day for for the podcast absolutely uh, and i just want to say you know please feel free to check us out on facebook uh join our group at facebook.com slash groups slash xfumc uh, you can also look us up online at crossfirepodcast.com or if it's easier to remember churchforgamers.com uh, you can find us that way but we've got a lot of exciting things coming up and especially some exciting things about our stream and uh, we've got some stickers coming out and some opportunities to be a part of some things bigger than ourselves Uh, so keep tuned for those announcements coming at the end of april and into may and we just want to say thank you again for joining us and god bless you and we hope you have a great week god bless